Hello, my name is Gabriel White, and this is the Trial Lawyer Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm with the law firm of White and Garner, also known as the Utah Trial Lawyers, and I am here with Scott Powers of the uh, great law firm of Snow Christensen and Martineau. And today we're going to be talking about a uh, um, a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and I think <laughs> lies. Is, yeah, and I think is I a, a a misconception um, that a lot of people have about the legal process and about um, how both the civil and criminal justice system work, and with those. Uh, systems being in the news a lot lately, I think it's uh, always helpful to have a better understanding of what we're seeing and what we're hearing. And so we're going to talk about to what extent and, you know, what ever you always hear the statement, you know, that, that everybody lies or that, you know, um, that, you know, everybody in the, in, in, in prison always is, claims to be innocent or that, um, you know, you can never trust people's testimony or what they, you know, what the their lawyers say. Um, and uh, it, it's really an interesting topic. I will say um, that these, one of the stereotypes that I come across most frequently is that people assume that there are a lot of plaintiffs or people out there who claim to be injured because they want to get money out of the an insurance company through the civil litigation system. Um, I have yet to see someone um, come into my office uh, who is in their right mind. I have spoken with a few people that unfortunately were inflicted with mental illness and thought that, you know, the CIA had fried their brain or something like that. But I have yet to see anyone come into my office that was in their right mind who who actually made up an injury or claimed to be ill and wasn't. Now, Keep in mind, Gabe is a plaintiff's lawyer. You know, Scott, you may, you may have a different perspective on this. I mean, have you ever... Everybody's come, not hurt. Nobody's hurt. Have you ever come across something where somebody genuinely was just making the whole thing up? Uh, and yes and no. Um, I have had a case where uh, I would say the whole thing, no, but a solid 95% of his... His injury was just garbage, but the justice system worked, and he, you know, he wanted a million bucks, and he got paid fifty thousand dollars, and and that was the right result. And I think that, you know, where there's a lot of difference of opinion, maybe amongst plaintiffs and defense lawyers about whether or not plaintiffs, or whether or not there's a lot of lying in the, uh, at least on the plaintiff side. Um, in civil litigation is in the area of damages. So it's whether or not, how hurt someone is, whether or not, you know, they're really in that much pain. There's not a lot of disagreement that I've found 
um, you know, that, that people generally don't like fake injuries in order to make money through the, uh, by filing lawsuits. And the reason for this is that anybody who tried would find that it is probably the worst for, at least for uh, the, the plaintiff, is probably the worst money-making idea in the history of man. Yeah. Um, just because mo- most of these cases take years. Um, claims are evaluated by multiple people. And, you know, if somebody who's completely faking... Uh, is going to get found out and they're, you know, I mean, you look at the person Scott's referencing, how long did that case go on? Uh, it was about a year. Okay. So somebody made a, a $15,000 in a year and during that time period probably had to go see multiple doctors and had to attend hearings and depositions and spend a lot of time working on their case. Um, and, you know, you could make more money than that working. Just about anything. Just about anything. I mean, I made more money than that when I was 16 working as a busboy at Sizzler. So, like... Sizzler. Yeah, which I'm I'm not (laughs) sure they exist anymore. Maybe they do. Oh, Sizzler exists. That's where you go on, uh... No, when I, you've had like I a good thing were, happen in your life, it's I think like, they it's were time to go to Sizzler. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, that would somebody, be a travesty. Where do people go to celebrate then? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Sizzler. I, I don't know. Maybe it's upscale cousin Chili's. I don't know. I always found that whispering ad to be kind of creepy, and that's why I'm doing it now. It, it is a little Sizzler. bit. Sizzler. Okay, um, but you know, and I have seen what I have seen. I will say I have seen some completely deceitful behavior on the behalf of some defendants. Um, part <laughs> of that, and, and it's not just my... Certain certain uh, defense it's, it's, attorneys it's, are famous for... It's not just... Well, and, and I mean, from from the attorneys, sure. I mean, they're... You know, I, I as in any population, I know some attorneys that probably would qualify as clinical sociopaths, but um, I, I've seen act- defendants, um, you know, who have made a mistake, uh, done something that they wish they hadn't, and, you know, in the heat of the moment, they're trying to come up with some explanation, some reason, something that will get them out of trouble, and... Um, you know, they lie or they shade the truth. Um, Anybody that's had kids knows. Uh, I mean, I, I've had doctors course. claim on the stand at trial that, you know, that they were doing a surgery that they weren't, you know, they're, they're, they weren't qualified to perform, but that it was okay because a surgeon who was qualified to, the, to perform it was in the room and was assisting and you know we quickly were able to pull up the the surgical notes from the procedure that showed the doctor wasn't even in the room and uh, in fact was on vacation when the surgery occurred um so i i I do see that and i think there's more incentive 
on the defense side um, a lot of times to make things up uh, primarily partially because uh, also because a lot of defendants are, are aware that they're if they if they lose their case or they they have to settle that their insurance company is the one who will be picking up the tab and so you know the risk and and you know everybody says well isn't that perjury well it is but you know but I, I've never I I've 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 never seen or heard about a perjury uh, case being brought as a result of a you know somebody lying about how a car accident happened um, in civil litigation uh, so you know uh, there there is more incentive to not tell the truth on one side of the line than the other. I don't know. I, I, I think it would be the opposite, though. I don't think people are thinking about, oh, my insurance company's going to pay the bill so I can lie. I, I think that if that were the case, they'd just tell the, the nasty truth and say, that's a shame, insurance company. I'll see you later. Enjoy the bill. Um, I think when you would have incentive is when they're facing an actual and direct consequence uh, for, uh, for the accident or whatever. So I think you'd actually run into it more in maybe a criminal context uh, than you would in a civil context. Well, and I and I think I mean sure. I mean criminal defendants, you know, who are facing loss of their freedom. I think there's a much more incentive uh, to lie in that sense. I'm I'm not saying that all criminal defendants lie or that even you know a, a large portion of them do, but. You know, when your own freedom is at stake, only on, day, only on days ending in Y. Yeah, certainly there is a uh, a greater incentive to do it. But you know, I I have I I, I have rarely, if ever, seen. Um, I mean, I tell my clients that you know, when they come in the door is that the first time they lie to me is the last day they're going to be my client. And part of that, and I get another reason, part of the reason why I think the, the myth of the Loch Ness monster, no, the, the made up injury claim is so ridiculous is that, uh, most, almost all of these injury cases are taken by attorneys on contingency fees, which means that, if you know if somebody comes to them and lies and the lies found out and the case is lost that attorney just gets paid nothing and um, you know and will have you know spent hundreds if not thousands of dollars worth of or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of time and money investing in the case only to have it brought down if it turns out that their client's lying. So um, attorneys have a pretty strong, plaintiff's attorneys have a pretty strong incentive to weed out clients who may be lying because we all know they're going to get caught. Um, You know, the standard instructions for plaintiff's attorneys give give to their clients before they get on the stand or before they get deposed is tell the truth don't exaggerate 
Tell it exactly the way you remember it. And if you don't remember it, just say you don't remember it. All right. All right, Soapbox. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about at what point is, is a client lying to you and at what point is a client simply not remembering it. Well, there right. is. You, there, you've got your you've got your great that. story where you no. had all the witnesses telling a different absolutely, uh, tale. and I, and I'm happy to. I mean, that that does happen, uh, and and I'm, I guess I'm just trying to set the stage between the the difference between kind of the nefarious, you know, myth of people who who go out and you know, disconnect their brake lights and then pull in front of somebody with an expensive car and slam on their brakes. Um, which is silly. Happens and, third day. And, and no. But, <laughs> but, um, and, and misperceptions because, and, 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 you know, differences in memory. I had a case once where I represented a client who was in a bicycle accident and, um, this client had been riding in the bike lane. Um, this was a, a route that she took regularly, was familiar with it. It was down a hill, and she was riding uh, in the bike lane, and there was a, a wedding going on in the area, and there was a car that had pulled over to the side of the road, made a, a U-turn and pulled over to the side of the road to see, to kind of investigate where he was supposed to be parking, um, and he, uh, you know, he claims he looked and then he pulled out with, our theory was that he just kind of pulled out into traffic again because he'd figured out where he was supposed to be parking and wanted to get there before other people did. But in any event, he pulled out right in front of our client and she, uh, crashed and, you know, was unconscious and had to go to the hospital had to have some pretty serious surgeries and whatnot. But the interesting part of it was, you know, because this was a wedding and there were lots of people arriving at the wedding at the time that my client was riding through the area, um, you know, down this, this public street, um, there were lots of people who witnessed the, the accident. And so we brought them in to depose them. And the level of deviation between the different stories was amazing. I mean, and these were all third-party witnesses. None of them uh, were related to my client. One of them was a police officer um, who happened to live um, get it. right so, in front of where the accident was. And, I mean, some some said she hit the car. Some said... She was in the bike lane. Some said she was on the sidewalk and weaved between some cars and then got out onto the street, and that's how the accident happened. Some said this guy ran her over. Some said, I mean, there were just, we probably deposed six or seven witnesses and got six or seven different versions of the story. And some of them could be explained by the fact that, you know, a few of the witnesses were further away than others, but a lot of them really couldn't. And, um, so, you know, to a certain extent, I, I think that there is deviation in, in, you know, testimony because people remember things differently and, and that that happens a lot more often than you might think. I mean, have you seen that happen, Scott? Oh yeah. 
Every time. You know, I was thinking more along the lines of when I get a client coming in the door, you know, it, you as an attorney looking at a litigation case uh, for the first time, you have to take your client's word. You don't have any other basis uh, to, to, to provide understanding for the case. Now, certainly you can look at the docket if it's been already filed and we're on the defense, or you can do Google searches if there's some event that led to whatever it is you're, you're talking about. But oftentimes, you're just simply left to, to rely on your client. And I, I'll tell you, there have been a number of times where, you know, I have to take a position based on what I know at the time. And then later on, I come to find out that that's not really the way it, it happened. And when I say it's not really the way it happened, I, you know, maybe this is a, se- a segue Subtle to a different... deviations. Well, well, yes and no. I mean, they, they just simply, they thought something that wasn't accurate and, and in retrospect... I mean, I had one case in particular. I can't go into details, but the, where they told me X, and I had to take a position because we were on the defense, and I asked them for documents for months, saying I need this, I need this, I need this to substantiate the defense. We've got to this huge amount of money that we need to pay, and they told me, no, 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 it's it's we don't have to pay it. Trust me, we we did the you know here we've got these facts, and after they spent months looking for them, they eventually got me. The documentation they thought was applicable, and it was the exact opposite. They they their memory was wrong, and it ended up in a very bad result as a result of this. But but what my point is is you know everyone's got different memory. But what I oftentimes run into is client you know meeting client expectation is very difficult for me uh, in cases well in a lot of cases where they want me to forecast and subjective recollections being what they are, I, I just simply don't know. When, when you say meeting client, client well, expectations... Well, I guess I'm, I'm, moving, I'm moving down the line a little bit. So we're obviously talking about how memory is difficult, you know, different, and, and how that re- ends in, in interesting results. For example, your case where everyone remembered differently, ultimately you have to rely on the jury, right, to, to sort it out and tell you who they believe more. And so client expectations, they come in and they say, well, what should we do? And your ability to tell them what, in your opinion, they ought to do is based solely on the evidence that you can garner. Well, and I, I, I guess my perspective on that is a little bit different because a lot of my cases, not all, but a lot of my cases are, you know, involve accidents, involve personal injury situations. And so the other resource I have is kind of my common sense and my my, you know, okay, I'm thinking through, all right, so this person, you know, often we, you know, we have a lot of whiteboards around here while we'll, we're drop, okay, and then your car came over here, and then it turned this way, and here is where, and now why, you know, did they do that, and we can kind of game through it, and I have had the experience where I've gotten a response back from opposing counsel that just didn't make any logical sense where I'm like, how could this possibly have happened or why would a person do that? And I'll typically call up opposing counsel and they'll just say, well, you know, this is what my clients told me and I, uh, I'm just surprised that, that well, so, sometimes client, sometimes attorneys are just want to, they, they just want to go exactly with what their client is saying happened and I say, okay, well, explain to me how that possibly could have 
the accident could have happened that way or why my client why? would have done what you say they did and how that could have resulted in you know what what the people in the ambulance saw when they arrived and they're like you know I, I don't know we haven't gotten into discovery yet and I'm like what discovery your your client was there what is your you know you've talked to him well my my issue isn't so much I mean it's not even too close to what you're talking about because many of my cases if not most of my cases are they're document well no 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 they're, they're really complex and what I mean by that is the case in particular that I'm referring to uh, deals with the recollection about a multi-year construction project and what balances were paid and what de- what details were modified via RFIs and change orders. And it, it was a complex issue. Oh, and that's obviously different. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, there but, are... but, they re- the, but their recollection was such that they dug themselves a hole and ultimately the, the documents well, were kind of out. And I, and I found that when people start to, you know, when they're like, oh, how did that happen? How so that what happen? my point is I couldn't use common sense to say, no. well, actually, I'm not so it's, sure that, you, it's obviously, that, you, that, that the contract balance was what it was. It was actually now, different. Let me ask you a question. Now, now again, no, no question, let sir. me just say I agree that in a situation like that, I mean, there's no way to be like, wait a minute, why did this happen unless you, you know, have, you know, really deep experience with a particular, you know, issue that you're dealing with. I mean, if the client's remembering applying stucco and getting, you know, permission from the city to break some sort of code, um, you're like, okay, why would they do that? Why would they allow you to do that? But like... What you're talking about, where it's something really complicated and maybe has to do with financing or something, I, I, I get that. Uh, let me ask you this. Rule 11 requires, and obviously, you know, it's a rule that most attorneys stay away from because, you know, nobody wants to be that guy who is constantly, you know, yelling at other attorneys on the phone that they're... they're investigation doesn't doesn't meet the standards of rule 11 but the rule 11 of the of the Utah and federal rules of civil procedure requires the attorney to I, I believe do some sort of reasonable investigation to make sure that they're and in fact when in pleading standards in federal court you can't even just do notice pleading anymore you have to do your pleading you have to plead facts, and the claim has to be, I believe the language is reasonably plausible. So what, in a case like that, what what do you think the attorney's duty is to, to make sure that the client's claim is reasonably plausible? So you can even plead it. Well, well you know, in a contract situation like that, I... I don't know how you're ever going to get crossways with Rule 11 if if what you're basing your position on is your client's subjective, albeit flawed, recollection. But isn't doesn't doesn't Rule 11 require more? I mean, at least on its face. Now, maybe not in practice. Maybe I think from the plaintiff's side, it probably does. If you're initiating a claim, you need to go do well, your research. It, where if you've been sued and you, you assert a defense based on the recollection at that time because you have 30 days to get an answer on file, 
uh, I think you've got a little bit different. I think the duty isn't necessarily abrogated uh, once you filed an answer, but well, I think that it's going to be a little more lenient standard when it comes to justifying your position in front the, of the court. Uh, the rule doesn't make any distinction between between basically if you sign. No, but I've litigated present, this issue, and they, there is case law out there that talks. I think it, they're a little stronger on the. The defendants can just kind of plead. Well, no, the defendants have to do you know take reasonable steps, but at the same time, the ability to take reasonable steps within within a period of thirty days is different than you know six months to build up the claim. Well, let me ask you this question because this comes up. This has come up. I appreciate times. you asking me to ask the questions. Just yeah. don't ask them. I need to give permission before you ask each of these. <laughs> I give you my permission. Well, I know how enraged you get. Ah, I'm an angry little person. That's right. You know, we've been baking all cookies that, all, all day that, in that kiva tree, and all that bike gets hot. Up this testo- testosterone, you're like testosterone. It's, al- it's almost like this roid rage <laughs> that that comes naturally. Um, so you forgot got, your question, didn't you? You've got no. Sure you did. You've got. I give you permission to answer. Uh, ask uh, when you're doing your answer, you've got to put in um, affirmative defenses. And most attorneys that I know on the defense side, and you know, I've I used to do this, and then I thought about it, and I thought, okay, now I'm not going to do this anymore. My list of affirmative defenses went from you know. Affirmative defense number 25 down to affirmative defense number 8. Um, attorneys will typically list every... I mean, they'll list affirmative defenses they can't define. Like latches. And now, just a brief break to hear a word uh, from our sponsor. Unfortunately, most lawyers are never available when you need them. Many of them don't put your interests first. The lawyers at White & Garner do things differently. We take each case very seriously. We will always put your interests first. We represent people who have been injured in accidents. We also handle commercial litigation cases. Other law firms assign your case to a paralegal or secretary and put that person in charge of managing your case. Getting your actual attorney on the phone can be a nightmare, no matter how important your case. At our firm, every case is important, and every client gets our full attention. We only take cases that we are comfortable taking all the way to a jury trial. Every move we make helps us better prepare your case for trial. To get the best results at trial, you need a lawyer that is paying attention and that is not afraid of a jury. You need the lawyers at White & Garner. Each client of White & Garner has access to their attorney at any time, any day of the week. You can talk directly to your attorney about your case at any time, day or night. If we do miss your call, we will get back to you within 24 hours. If you hire a lawyer from White & Garner, we will be there for you when you need us. That is our promise, and we keep our promises. How many well, that's a different animal. Now we're getting into yeah. like pleading. Well, you know, what to do with pleading? I don't. I don't think it deals with the the subject of recollection issue. No, but it's not. It's but it's it's truth. 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 It's but truth. but what is truth? I mean, oh, truth isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. Well, only in 
Only in Rudy Giuliani's head is truth <laughs> not truth. But I mean, come on now, hey, yeah, you know. what, lying? What is lying anyway? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, you know. I mean, it's a subjective thing. We have to use words to define words. And who knows what? Hey, hey, hey come know, on. Who knows what is this? Um, and um, my secretary probably would not get that joke, honestly. My paralegal, uh, my secretary, my paralegal. It's funny. She's so much younger than I am that I'll make these jokes from like the uh, Clinton era and. It just goes completely overhead. Well, anyway. this joke is from the uh, Giuliani Trump era from like two days ago. So. Not the. Which one? What is. I said, yeah, but who knows what the meaning of the word is, is. What it, oh. it is, is. And that's a, that's a Clinton uh, impeachment joke. Anyway. But. Um, now it goes to the same thing, though, because you're only supposed to plead its attorney's truthfulness. You're only supposed to plead things you have a reasonable basis. And I've filed motions before to strike, you know, um, in a, we're in a tort case and somebody's pled the statute of frauds. You know, an accident case and somebody's pled something uh, well, that only, that only, hold on, that only applies to, <laughs> only applies to uh, contracts, to signed contracts. The equal dignity rule. <laughs> or, or the best, you know, the best evidence best. rule, or they're, they're pleading laches and accord and satisfaction, and I'll send them over a discovery request, you know, I'll either move to strike or I'll send them a discovery request saying, please give me the factual basis for your affirmative eh, defense. And they'll say, hold on. And they'll say, <laughs> they'll say, well, discovery's ongoing, you know, we don't know. You know what's going to come up, and in front of the judge, I'll say, "Judge, this is a case involving a, a, an auto accident, and they've pled, they've pled latches, which can only apply a contract to contracts, or they've pled the economic loss no, I rule." I think latches can apply in non-contract scenarios. Okay, yeah, but we're but talking what about say, like we're talking have. about like uh, you know a case that was filed within a year of when. The accident happened, like, you know, they're 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 uh, pleading things that it, it's obvious that they they well, okay, have so a standard here's a question. answer. I have a question. May I ask you a question? Yes, absolutely. Permission please, has been granted. Please do. Um, oh, silent one. So, in a in a situation like that, are you saying that? I mean, let, let's let's use a crazy scenario. I've never seen this happen, but I've worried about it happening when I defend tort cases. If you have somebody who has racked up over the course of two years, and I've had a couple of cases like this, you know, $800,000 in medical bills, just the, the guy was destroyed. And he has the ability to wait four years to file claims. He also has the ability to charge prejudgment interest. And on a, you know, a million dollars, prejudgment interest is a pretty nice thing to be earning. Not really anymore, but. Okay, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I get. I, sus, I suspect that you could raise the latches uh, defense, if if it turns out that there are facts where and who knows how stupid this. I mean, this is a again weird hypothetical situation. Yeah. If this guy has documented emails to his wife, like, no, honey, we're not gonna fire yet or file yet. We're gonna wait because oh boy, I, I'm making eighty thousand dollars a year in interest right now alone, and if I file it later, we're gonna get another. I think the hundred and eighty thousand dollars or whatever, two hundred forty thousand dollars if we just wait, because their their limits are big enough, so we need to wait. I mean, 
Did, well, so, so here, let me finish this. Okay. No, it's supposed Would, to be a question. Well, sorry, okay. So my question is, I need to finish the scenario so you can answer. Okay, go ahead. Based on the scenario. Sure. Would you, if we didn't have the facts yet, but they would come up, should they assert the latches defense no. immediately? Or do they, do they have to push and beg and control the court to let them amend their pleading yeah. to include the new defense? If, if, if that even comes up, because... The, for example, See, the hypothetical. That, and, and just, wait a minute. In the hypothetical, because the, the so rules you're saying of pleadings, yes, don't don't allege it first. Yeah, because the pleading rules do not require you to have a crystal ball. They just they just require you to plead based on to answer based on the the the, the claims that have been presented and the information you have right now. Not to guess that. Well, hey, maybe in the future I will find out that this plaintiff actually signed a contract and then rear-ended. You know, and then got rear-ended by my client, and the contract will be added as a claim, and then I'll want to do the statute of frauds. In the scenario you're putting forward, well, they're not asserting new claims in that scenario. In, in, in that in the scenario you put forward, you're going to have an obvious um, situation where if the judge accepts your argument, he essentially renders the statute of limitations uh, meaningless. And you're going to have a stat. Yeah, because you're going to say, look, as soon as you can file, the judge is going to have to say, look, as soon as you could have filed this claim, knowing that, that you, were, you were spending money on, on prejudgment interest, you should have filed it. Well, statute of limitations says you have four years. And the rules of statutory construction says that if you have two statutes, you should interpret them in a way that, that All doesn't it is put is them a, in All it is is a mitigation of damages defense issue. We're talking about, you know, you're going to make a claim for that prejudgment interest, and I'm going to have a defense that latches applies because you could have recovered before, you could have mitigated your damages, and we all could have moved on. But because you use the technicality of the statute of limitations, which is there not necessarily to allow you to the defer statute. and earn as much interest as possible, rather it is there to allow you to bring a claim within a comfortable time period. Statute of limitations exists to put a limit Mm-hmm. In the time that you have to, to file a claim, yes. that's it. But that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you can assert a latches claim, whether or not they waited until the end of the session. I would be willing to bet $1,000 that your claim would, your, your, that if you filed that, so, okay, my so, motion to strike so, would be granted without a Okay, grant. yeah, right. Um, sure would. So, it, unless the judge was like, no, I got to well, hear what crazy let's look expense. for that. Let's, let's look for that. Let's, let's look for that claim. I look forward to litigating <laughs> against you. Unless the judge is like, I got to hear what well, no, 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 Scott I, has. No, no, here's the issue with, with that, though, is I think that most that he defense wants me attorneys. To read the statute of attorneys out of existence. Well, no, most of defense attorneys will look at something like a latches defense, and it, to the extent that facts could arise that will base it, they'll put it in there, and they'll. And, and most of my defenses, when I. I don't put everything in there. I don't they put punitive don't. damages defenses in cases where I know A, there can't be any, or B, they're not being alleged. So but you but, don't have but, a lot what I will do, what I will do is part of my eight or nine or whatever will probably include, but you include know a latches defense because I want it there so that I don't get into a scenario where later on we, we finally get to toward the end of fact discovery, facts come up, and I don't have to amend my pleading. I say, you know what, there it was. I thought it might be there. I put the defense in there. I did some discovery along those lines, and here it is. And, I'm but you, you and I went, Gabe. You have an obligation to plead based on what you know now, not what you think... Might oh, be there silly game. You know what? I have not yet seen a Read trial court the judge rule. 
Girl, I read the rule. My the reason is is because nobody ever brings Rule Eleven motions because we don't yeah, want to be mean. Yeah, you know what? And, and judges don't I ever have litigated in this state. And the judges don't like not to get. That's right. They're not going to give you the relief you want because I fought. No, the, they'll strike it. I fought the law, and the law did not win. I, I almost every single time. In fact, that every single time I filed a motion to strike affirmative defenses, at least. Yeah, Some of the affirmative but defenses I'm sure that you're 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 get, you're talking about the low hanging fruit here though, right? You're like, oh, see, you asserted a, a blah 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 defense, and you can't raise it because of X. Well, that's one thing, but I think the latches defense, if it's something that is arguably okay, but, subject to but, you know additional but discovery, and it could foreseeably arise, then we're you're not we're talking get about struck. latches is just an example. We're know. talking about we're talking about affirmative defenses. They just have. We have gone on a tangent, my young friend. Well, no, it's about, it's about, it's about, it's about. See, I'm older than Gabe, so I can call him a youth. You, you can call me a youth. He, he and his friends are youths. 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 Um, it, 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 it's, it's about whether or not you can, you have to plead based on. I mean, last year's just an example. I mean, in every answer I get. Every single one. This is Gabe's subject interpretation, or subjective interpretation. Sure. Of what he recalls latches is. I mean, I could go through. See, this is this is circling us back. Listen, listen to me. See, I could email my you. My recollection is different of this particular. I could cluster email you all the action. answers that I've gotten in the last year, and every single one I could highlight for you. Uh, affirmative defense. Oh yeah, well, I could email you all the answers I filed in the last year. Well, listen. Highlight. Uh, my affirmative defense. Scott, I, you and I haven't had any case again. I'm not talking about you. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I could highlight for you at least five to ten affirmative defenses that are in there that cannot, by by operation oh, I, of law, can't well, ever not, come up in again, the case. I, I don't think that's what we're talking about, though. I mean, I I think we got on the the tangent of whether or not latches can be asserted. You know, appropriately you you, lo- you locked down the latches because you thought I had a good argument. No, no, this I, applies I, to. You know, it could apply. What about apply. what about statutes of fraud? Statute of fraud. No, that's never going to apply in a tort case. Of course. Okay, right? so get rid of it. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not opposed to that. And I think you could definitely get that kicked out. And I call and I'll call up opposing counsel and say, hey. I, I'm willing to let you amend your answer rather than me filing a motion to. Did you really push hard on the the affirmative defense issue? Um, I mean, I just I wait until the depositions the and I just pick them apart. I'm it like, depends on the case. You do depends, this, you can't do that. It depends on the case and my workload. But generally, I want to establish from the beginning Dumb. the case. This is a, yeah, this is a, <laughs> it's a strategy issue. I want to understand that as the plaintiffs, uh, as the plaintiffs said, we are driving the case. The defendants are not. And you want to be plaintiff's attorneys that stands kind of too close and we're gonna shakes hands a little too hard. No, 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 I'm super friendly, but <laughs> that's why I call them in advance. I say, Hey, unless you can give me a reason why you need to allege statute of frauds here, I'd like to ask you to please um, amend your answer and take that out. I do that with discovery responses too all the time. Say, Hey, you, I asked you a request for admit that was really simple, like, you know, did your client. You know, did your client see my client prior to the accident? And there's like a half a page of objections to my to my request for admission. And then there's at the end you say admit or deny. And I'm like, I can't use that because of your each one of your objections would need to be ruled on. I need you to either restate it and just say admit or deny. 
or explain to me why these are valid objections and what's wrong with my request to admit, and then I can then I can supplement it with something the better. All right, let's wrap this up. And they all refuse. Yeah, yeah. Well, your your affirmative defense troubles are. Are unique and interesting, Gabe. But let's I get back to that. Let's get the back to the issue here. Is, is that I think that there are more uh, attorneys that that um, that uh, have honesty problems than clients. That that's really the point of that. Uh, I'm not so sure that's honesty problems. That's just lazy work. And that's crap. That that's well, crap. Well, it becomes it becomes an honesty problem when you when you combine your oath as an officer of the court. The, the requirements oh, of signing the pleading here we under Rule 11, that you've certified certain things, and now it's been pointed out to you that your certification is wrong and you refuse to change so it. So much righteousness. Does, doesn't it, though? Doesn't it? If I, if I call you up and say, hey, you pled this, I'm assuming I feel like my job is Hold to... Hold on, let me... Let me I, if, if I, I think you probably just copied and pasted it. No judgment. I've done it a Objection, times. incomplete, hypothetical. This is a compound you, question. It's, you, it's meandering. Get to the point, counsel. Are you asking you, me a question? And if yeah. so, can you phrase it in such a way that I can understand it If I called you up and, and said, answer, hey, you pled, this is a tort case, you pled same statute of frauds, will you, re-say, will you refile your answer without that affirmative defense? Would I, you do it? Why do you need me to refile the answer? Why don't you just do discovery? Because it's because there, it's there, improper. There, either there's one way that's faster, and there's one way that's more annoying. And it's, yours is the latter, my young friend. I would if if so you, even if, if, you, you if you're wrong, if you're, you're not going to fix it. No, if you were that guy, I would probably fix it. But that would set the stage and the tone for the procedural. And you know, as we move forward. Oh, of if course. If you want to be like hyper, that's my intention. You know, hyper anal, then go for it. Is 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 that is that you know I I'm gonna you're, you're that guy I, I'm trying just for the listeners when litigating against Gabriel that's he's right that guy. I try and keep the defense on their heels the on entire their heels. time that's right we push we push we push we push we well, push we push and that's my job I'm not and gonna, I'm, I'm not going to name names there are, uh, there are a few defense I, attorneys I, who I hope you run into a lot I'm you can I'm, just, I'm, you can I'm not I'm not together. rude about it I'm not mean about it. Uh, and I give people the chance to fix their mistakes, but when I come across certain things, um, I, I don't just let it go. You just need to relax, man. Just you know, relax. I might let it go if I if I happen to be headed out on vacation and I don't have time to deal with it. But if I, you know, if I'm there and I have time to deal with it, then it's gonna get dealt with. Because I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let them get away with it. Get away. You being lazy. It's like it's just so like see, but the, aren't the other you working side on of it, contingency. Why are you you're spending extra time? Ah, but because see, when I, I see something like that, I lie in the weeds. I'm standard. like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This it is establishes perfect. that standard that hey, this case among all the forty cases that I have as a defense, you know, uh, a defense lawyer, this one case is going to take up sixty percent of my time. Then, oh, so okay. when I'm talking to my adjuster about which case we need to settle, nah. this is the one that needs to be dealt with. Because I'm tired of it. Yeah, I, I just tell them knowing that it, it just affects what my budget is. I don't think my adjuster makes any difference. It affects what the budget is, which affects how the adjuster makes nah, decisions. Yeah, nah. I don't do a lot of auto though, so. Yeah, you you don't. We get we get adjusters who will test us, who will who haven't dealt with us before. And we'll, like on a dog bite. So off, or the, record, gets, off the record, I'll talk to you about a couple people. I wonder how, how this goes a, over a, with a them. Dog, like a dog bite, somebody gets bit in the face. 
and there's like permanent scarring and like some paralysis and they'll call us up you know it's strict liability and they'll call us up and offer like seven or eight thousand dollars and it's a child and we're like are you kidding no that's the most i'm well then my clients already authorized you to reject and reject it so it's rejected well what about 10 uh i thought you just said that the only thing you could do was eight well now i can do 10 well that's rejected no well well um hold on let me let me talk to somebody for a second okay we do 12 so we, we, we get tested a lot and you have to you have to be willing to take it all the way. <laughs> Otherwise you're just gonna get sick. That's why I tell my clients that it, they're better off here than with places that are just settlement just mills. Settlement mills because we don't we won't take a case unless we're unless the affirmative it. defenses no, unless are one hundred percent viable and accurate. Listen to me. At unless, the time, the answer is unless filed. we're willing to take it all the way to trial. <laughs> if I take a case, uh, if I'm calling you on a case, girl. it's because I've already evaluated it and I'm willing to try it. So speaking of which, yeah. So you think uh, fake news is going to be in trouble here soon? Which one is fake news? Who's fake news? Think the administration's in trouble with the uh, all the new proceedings? Which all one? The, uh, the 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 facts. I'm that curious facts. about the the. There was no hour. meeting. There was no collusion. Okay, we knew about it. Okay, well. Well, we I'm curious about. about, about well, that's I'm curious about. Uh, I was going to add a segment um, at the end, and I'll look it up while I'm giving you my answer here. Called why Cannon Crows is not that good, and it's still not oh, that good. Oh, don't get me started. Um, but you I'm know what curious. is that good? Are you a Muse fan? Uh, not really. Oh my gosh! Ladies and gentlemen, is the best. That is even creepier than the Sizzler. Is the best. Um, I'm curious about the White House Counsel's 30-hour uh, interview with the Special Counsel. Hmm. Because. Um, my guess is, from his other behavior, is that um, the president is not disciplined enough to make the distinction between his personal counsel and White House counsel, who technically represents the office of the president, not the president himself. And so there's some serious differences in terms of what constitutes attorney-client privilege and what does not. Huh. And, and did you see that story that the, no. it turns out that the White House counsel was interviewed by the special counsel for 30 hours? Wow, no, I didn't. Yeah. What did they get for 30 hours? I. I mean, how is it that you wouldn't imagine. just. How is it they wouldn't just say uh, privileged over and over and over and over and over? Because again? that's the point. So they can't? He, he's not Donald Trump's lawyer. So he, he can is, be asked about individual stuff? It depends on whether it, 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 it depends on whether it relates to the office of the presidency. Yeah, but isn't or whether the pre- it's him, him, it, Donald Trump personally? How else did the relationship with this attorney start before? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's why it took thirty hours is because they asked him all the questions and he just kept arguing with them about attorney-client privilege. I, I don't know. Nobody knows what went on in that in that interview, but. Um, well, some some people know, the investigators know, and the witness knows, but um, but 
there are some major distinctions between the president's personal counsel, like Giuliani, and their communications, and communications between the between White House counsel and 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 the president. The stakes are so high. Can you if imagine? It'd be cool to have you know that on your resume that you were White House counsel, you were this, that, and the other. But man. Every one of those people is just walking a fine line. It's intense. I mean, I remember getting their work done and, and getting remember, brought up on charges. I remember, um, and I, I, I actually knew him through a family friend, sort of. Um, spoken to uh, uh, Judge Bybee on the Ninth Circuit, who was asked during the Bush administration to write a memo um, as to what constitutes torture. What, what's the definition of torture? And the problem is is that there's no 100%, at the time, there's no 100%, you know, clear legal definition. And he's asked for a leak to write a legal memo on this. And so he comes up with something, and of course, it's as soon as he sends it over to his client, he was in the Justice Department, I believe, or in the White House Counsel's office, somewhere where he was representing the office of the, you know, the representing the executive branch and not anyone in particular, sends it over and says, and I think that was the one that said something like extreme pain or, you know, uh, something likely to cause death or, you know, major bodily organ damage or something like that. Really? Uh, um, it's immediately leaked and the guy is like, I mean, he almost didn't get uh, didn't get uh, through the approval process uh, to be to be a federal judge because of this memo that memo. he was asked to write about a topic that nobody can agree on what the legal answer is. Like you know, the Israelis have one. De- obviously, different countries have different definitions. Um, you know, and there's not. The Geneva Conventions weren't clear because it depends on how you're classified, whether you're classified as a as a prisoner of war or as an enemy enemy combatant or what you know what situations you're in. So he writes this memo and it come back comes back to haunt him. Um, so that would be yeah, it it would be a very difficult job. And the fact that he was in there for eighty hours or thirty hours, excuse me answering questions from the special prosecutor, presumably. I, I presume if he had sat there and said it, I refuse to answer on the grounds of... And, and I don't know why Trump wouldn't have... Because he can also invoke executive privilege and prevent them from interviewing the White House counsel. So I don't know if Trump didn't know about it or <laughs> didn't, you know... Think it through. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. You know, I don't know. There's so many things, man. Now, the the thing I wanted to I wanted to end with was a segment. Funny things in the news that I'd seen. Have you ever noticed? Uh, have you ever Have you ever read through? There are tons of websites out there that that catalog them. Florida man stories. Yes. Florida man headlines are some of my favorites. Um. Like uh, Florida man high on meth jumps on strangers' cars, surfs them. Florida man interested in getting. There are. There's one at the end of the year every year. 
Yeah, well, there's there's several Florida websites man. that put them out. Florida man interested in getting tased runs through airport in underwear waving nunchucks. He wanted to be tased. Identical tw- twin Florida men arrested after getting into brick fight. Brick fight. Brick fight. Florida man arrested for grand theft after trying to walk out of a store with AK-47 stuffed down his pants. Remember that's plural. AK-47s. The. Stuffed down his pants. Is that even a crime anymore, though? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe not in Florida. Eighty-two <laughs> <laughs> um, year old Florida man slashes eighty-eight year old Florida woman's tires with an ice pick for taking his seat at bingo. Um, Florida man dances on the top of police cruiser to ward off vampires. There's actually a video of that right here. Uh, on the site it's well, amazing fortunately we live in the bastion of reasonableness that is Utah we, we, no we live in the bastion of this a state where, where crazy stuff happens but people don't talk about it it doesn't it doesn't get out of there my favorite one it's and I don't know where it is in this list was where this Florida guy is driving through a drive through gets his food at the one window goes up to the other window to pay doesn't want to pay, and so instead he throws a baby alligator through the window and drives off. Yeah, let's be honest, though. I mean, who hasn't done that? I mean, I mean you know. It's just a thing. It's just something that, something that you do. <laughs> I, I, for one, keep a baby alligator. The baby alligator toss. Yeah. There was another guy who was going to say, I keep a baby alligator strapped to my motorcycle at all times for that purpose. But there's another guy on the list that was, um, was arrested because he was... He had um, he was trying to sell three iguanas that he had taped to his bike to a passerby as dinner. So, yeah. Yeah, iguanas are a thing. Even that has happened in Florida. All right. Well. So that we learned we learned that people remember different stuff. And that the legal system, while not perfect, is not just chock full of liars. Um, and, and, and unless you're uh, Gabe, unless you're, and you're fighting the opposing council about, uh, hey, you know, we 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 fight the good fight, man. We we fight <laughs> on behalf of the 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 uh, the hurt, the injured, the the suffering. Um, Little masses so yearning to breathe I, free. I will not. I will not uh, against multi-billion-dollar insurance companies. So, I will not apologize for that. Apologize now, Gabe. Nope. Do it. Not gonna happen. Do it. Never. So unapologetic. Nope. Thank you so much for listening. Um, please subscribe and uh, leave comments below if there's something uh, you liked. If there's something you thought Gabe if got you, wrong. If you didn't like it or like. something that I got wrong, just keep to yourself. You know, nobody <laughs> needs to know everything that you have to say. Um, and uh, if there's a particular topic you'd like us to cover that um, that we know, can address for five minutes and then move on to a tangent, that's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves tangents. Um, that's not going to get us thrown off of iTunes. You know, we're happy to address it. And uh, thank you so much. And have a good week. <laughs>